Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, Peyton fell asleep last night. She doesn't know what's happened. So we're going to reread the last two pages so that we can get her reaction. Peyton, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mo, Aunt Julie said with the phone away from her mouth a little bit. How did you, did you get me a new clown doll? A big one? You know the kids are afraid of clowns now. I didn't buy anything, Mo said in the background. And that, after that, there's silence. Aunt Julie, Hammond says, he checks the phone to make sure that they're still connected. Oh, oh gosh. Aunt Julie, are you still there? Hammond, it's Mo now. His voice is urgent. Are you certain that you saw a giant doll in our room? Yeah, Hammond said. It's a big clown sitting in your rocking chair. Hammond, you need to get out of the house now, Mo says. You have to get the kids and get out of the house right now. Do you understand? Hammond's heart seems to skip a beat or two. His, the thing. Then, <laughs> then his heart, then thumps hard against his ribs. His mouth goes dry. Mo, what are you talking about? He asks. What is going on? Upstairs, the footsteps thump again, like they're running down the hall towards the staircase. Hammond makes his way over to the stairs and peers up to the darkness. I think Ahmed's up again. Hammond said. Hammond, listen to me, Mo said. Julie does not have a giant clown. Sure she does, Hammond says. It's the one in the rocking chair. He he starts up the stairs, holding his phone to his ear. The connection crackles a little bit. She doesn't, Hammond, Mo says. That's not a doll. There's someone in the house, Hammond. I'm calling the police. You and the kids have to get out of there. What would you do if you were babysitting? Well, I would have... I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm going to be honest. Said, if he said, uh, no, I didn't buy you one. We're upstairs. Maybe you have to go change my pants because I pooped them. Yeah. Get the kids and go. <laughs> Would you really be able to go upstairs to get the kids? If I was a teenager, I don't think I would be able to go upstairs. I think I would run out of the house and bang on the neighbor's door. Yeah. I don't what think I, 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 I the clown got the kids? I'm, if it were my kids, yes, because I'm an adult. But if what it were, the clown got the kids? I'm just saying. If the clown got the kids, then he's going to get me too. And I'm just saying, I'm a babysitter. I'm not mature enough to make those decisions, and I'm running to the neighbors. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Okay, ready? Chapter 8. I'm just being honest. I, think I'd, I don't think I could actually even force myself to do it. I'd be so scared. You know what I mean? Okay, chapter 8. Spine shivers. Uh, the, ah, I did it again. The grin in the dark. The grin in the dark. <sighs> okay. <sighs> Okay, ready? Yep. The footsteps in the hall upstairs. Those aren't Ahmed's. They aren't Afifa's. They're him, the clown. Who's him? The giant doll and Aunt Julie's rocking chair. The man who escaped from prison, Hamid thinks, and his heart pounds in his chest, and his pulse races to his ears. It's him. He's here. Why is he here? Hamid drops his phone. It bounces down the carpet. 
carpeted steps as Uncle Mo's voice says over and over again, sounding further and further away. Hammond, can you hear me? Hammond, get out of the house! He doesn't want to go upstairs. The clown is upstairs. The criminal is upstairs. Hammond realizes that he doesn't even know the man was in jail for sure. Is he a bank robber? Or, I mean, why he was in jail, sorry. Was he a bank robber? A car thief? A murderer? He really does say that, Peyton. A murderer? But as he goes up, he goes, he has to go upstairs because the twins are upstairs too. They, They might be asleep in their room. He might be in their room right now, standing in between their beds, watching them, waiting for a FIFA to scream. But what if he's quiet this time? What if she never screams? What if he's a kidnapper? Hammond could tiptoe. He could be totally silent, creeping up the stairs and steps along the way the, along the dark hallway to the third doorway. The clown might not hear him. Hammond braces himself against the wall. The wall feels cold. It reminds him of a dream. In his dream, the clown came to life. He must have known. Somehow deep down he must have known while he slept that the clown was no doll and that it actually was a dangerous man. Hammond moves slowly up the stairs. They creak under they creak under each slow footfall. From above, he hears the squeak of the doorknob and the creak of the door opening slowly. He stops and holds his breath. He squints, and he squints up and he sees the door to Julian Moe's bedroom. It's open just a little, enough so that the lamp amber light coming through in the big window pours across the upstairs hallway and Hammond imagines the clown lurking just inside the door hidden in the shadows grinning madly his beady eyes circled with white makeup just waiting for Hammond to try and sneak by light flashes in the doorway a lightning strikes a moment later the house shakes with thunder the storm is terrifying now more violent than it's been all night. Hammond hears the drumming of the heavy raindrops on the roof and the windows. He's nearly at the top now. He can hear the he can see clear down the hallway. The door to the twins' bedroom is closed tight. What if he's in there, Hammond thinks? What if he's not letting Afifa scream for help? He could have he could have his gloved hands over her mouth. He can't wait any longer. Hammond leaps up the last two steps in the dark hallway and sprints into the twins' room. He throws open the door, and Ahmed and Afifa sit up with a start. Ahmed clicks on the flashlight. Cousin, ha- cu- cousin Hammond, Afifa says, "I didn't think it would be you." I know," said Hammond. She should. Should he tell her the truth that the nightmares are real? That right at this moment, the real stranger is in the house hiding just down the hall. Afifa already knows the truth. Still, Hammond can't bring himself to say it out loud. Maybe he doesn't want to believe it either. The bad dreams are over now, he said, I promise. He put his hands on he put out his hands to the kids, inviting them each to take one of him. We have to go outside, he said. Who's your favorite neighbor? Tucker, Ahmed says uh, Ahmed says, jumping up and down in his bed. Tucker lives two miles away, said Afifa. We should go to Catherine's house. Ah, she's boring, Ahmed said. It doesn't matter, Hammond said. The kids finally take his hand. Is she nearby? Right across the street, said Afifa. Perfect, said Hammond. Why do we have to go there, Ahmed said. It's still part of the... Is this still part of the nightmare? Yes, said Hammond. 
He stands there with the twins in the doorway of their room and sticks his head out of the hall. This is the end of the nightmare. Are we awake right now, Afifa said? Hamid can't answer. Instead, he gives the little hands a squeeze. Are you ready to run? He asks. The twins nod. Hamid counts in a whisper. One, two, three. And they all run hand in hand for the stairs. Chapter nine. They can't be silent. Little kids' footsteps are always loud. They're even louder when they run. The three of them are there as loud as a herd of baby elephants running down the hallway at the top of the steps. Hamid stops. It's too narrow for the three of them to go down holding hands. Hurry down, he says, giving the twins each a light to shove, to shove on back. Go outside. From, <laughs> from behind him, from beyond the slightly open door to Julian Moe's room, comes a goofy cackle and a jovial honk-honk. Hamid slips on the top step and he grips the banister to stop from falling and tumbling into the twins. He climbs to his feet again and the bedroom door behind him creaks. Hamid looks over his shoulder, both hands tight on the banister, and sees a white gloved hand, long, dirty fingers wrapped around the door, opening it wider and wider. Go! Hamid snaps at the twins. You who... uh. Who have stopped at the bottom to wait for him? Get out and run across the street! The laughing behind him grows louder. It's not goofy anymore. It's a high-pitched, hysterical, crazed laugh, just like the twins said it was. Hammond is downstairs before the twins have managed to get the door open. It's too heavy for it's too heavy and the handle is too big and slippery for their little fingers. As Hammond grabs the handle, someone pounds on the door. Is anyone in there? A man says. He has a booming voice and he's shouting over the uh, over the din of the storm. The police, Hammond thinks, they've got here quickly. He pulls open the door and the wind rises and whips to the entryway, bringing sheets of rain. The drops hit Hammond's face and tiny pr- pinpricks. Standing in the doorway is a man. He towers over Hammond and the twins. His face is stern and square with the shadow of a beard. He's not wearing a police officer's uniform, though. Did my uncle call you, Hammond said. He steps between the twins and the man. Of course, says the man. He steps further inside, out of the storm, and and moves and closes the door. Who else would have called me? He smiles down at Hammond and the children, but it's a tight smile. An angry smile. Now then, the man said. He's not shouting now. His voice is calm and cold. Rainwater runs down his cheeks like sweat in a cold drink. I hear you have a visitor tonight, he asks. His smile is even bigger now, showing his teeth. They're yellow. A couple of them are missing. A couple are chipped. Hammond backs up with his arms around each twin. They back up with him. He thinks about the clown still at the top of the stairs, maybe. What's my uncle's name? Maybe standing, watching them. He thinks about the twins' nightmare. They weren't nightmares at all, obviously. But they started last week, he realized. The prison break was just today. He takes another step back, (gasps) taking the twins with him, so the clown can't can't be the escaped convict. Who are you? Hamid says. He's backed up with the kids, now all the way back to the kitchen door. The man with the square, 
unshaved jaw reaches up and loosens the collar of his shirt. Who do you think I am? The man says, and he's still grinning. Somehow, the man's grin is even creepier to Hamid than a painted-on smile of that nightmare clown. Hammond has an idea. The man's tired. He looks exhausted. He hasn't shaved. His collar's dirty and stained with sweat. His hands have a bunch of fresh-looking scrapes. This is a man who, have ha- who has had a long, hard day. And now he's here in his aunt and uncle's house, dripping wet on their wood floors and grinning like the wolf that ate grandma. He's here on the west side of New Brighton, just like the police said he would be. But Hamid can't answer. Now that he knows who the man is, his voice is gone. He doesn't need to speak, though, because his voice shrieks from the top of the stairs. It says just what Hammond would do if he hadn't if he hadn't been too afraid to answer. Price! Hammond and the twins turn to find the clown, the nightmare clown, standing above them. Remember, Price is the guy, the, the guy that escaped from jail. That's his last name. The clown's face isn't terrifying or evil. Instead, it's full of fear. The same fear that Hammond has in his chest, only much greater. How did you find me? The clown screams. His gloved hands hold back the stair railing as if he would collapse, as if it would collapse if he weren't holding on to it. How have you found me? So it is Price, the escaped criminal, and he's here. All Hammond's horrible fears from the whole night have come true. And now, Price is standing between Hammond and the front door. I got myself a police scanner, Price said. He looks up into the darkness. The clown watches him like he might watch a stray dog. He's not sure if he's friendly. Someone, Price says as his eyes, as he eyes Hammond for a second, reported a home intruder dressed like a clown. Tell me, you madman, who else would do something as crazy? Through the kitchen, Hammond whispers to the twins as Price takes a menacing step towards the stairs. Quickly. I've been waiting for this moment for almost ten years, Price says, and now I'll have my revenge. Hammond and the twins push through the swinging door in the kitchen. The garage, Hammond says. Hurry! The twins are sobbing now, holding on to Hammond's wrist with both hands, letting him drag them through the, gle- the gleaming kitchen. I wouldn't, I w- if I wasn't him, I wouldn't have the guts to kill a kid. I know, right? Not that I would kill but Yeah. Like- He opens the garage door. The smell of tires and motor oil nips his nostrils. Hammond quickly finds the glowing orange button to the door and slaps it as he and slaps it as he pulls the twins through the garage. The big metal door groans and screeches as it opens. It shakes and strains. The blowing storm sends tiny daggers and darts of ice cold rain to the garage. A FIFA shrieks against the weather and Ahmed throws his arm across his face. Hammond ushers the twins into the driveway and across the wet grass directly to Catherine's house across the street. His socks are soaked in an instant, but he doesn't care. It's pouring anyways. Ahmed and Afifa, both barefoot in their pajamas, flinch at the cold, wet ground and lift their shoulders against the downpour. Blue and red lights flash up and down the street when Hammond and the twins reach the curb. At the same time, two police cars pull up. The twins are crying. Everything's going to be okay, Hammond tells himself. The police will take care of all of this now. 
He turns to watch the police officers approach the house slowly. Hammond looks up at the middle window on the second floor, the biggest window in front of the house, and behind the glass are two figures. As Hammond watches, he sees a big man with a square jaw, jaw facing off another man, stooped and afraid with crazy hair at puffs that crazy hair at puffs on sides of his head and a big round nose. Well, the police are there. So it's not that scary anymore, huh? Right? This thing keeps popping off. You have to keep pushing it down. Okay. Let's see what happens. This is so creepy.